0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the program. It is not your average Boston sports podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and a follow on Spotify. And as always, you can follow our social pages on Twitter and on Facebook for the latest updates. Uh, great to be back with you folks today. I know there was a announcement. was not feeling great yesterday so uh, unfortunately did not record but recording today so that's the good news back with you really excited uh, a lot of stuff to get to uh, today really looking forward to getting to that uh, would like to thank Sean Montgomery for uh, coming on guest Friday last week it's a really uh, fun conversation with Sean Sean's a great uh, hockey person to talk to you know it's funny I think after we recorded we talked that we were talking about how we could just sit and talk about the Bruins all day. So uh, it was super fun to uh, get Sean on the podcast, talk about the Bruins, and things are great for the Bruins right now. We'll talk more about them later. But uh, that was a fun interview if you haven't listened to it, or conversation interview, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you have not listened to it, you can go listen to it now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, this week, as you may have noticed on the social pages, Got another uh, kind of Bruins-themed surprise for you guys for Guest Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, So I think we're just going to get going today. Um, You know, it's been a few days since the Patriots' most recent game. And obviously, they got a game coming up in two days. So, you know, kind of try to do my best to, you know, summarize the game on Thanksgiving. Look ahead to Thursday night against the Bills. Um, and just kind of get started from there. We'll go Bruins and then Celtics following uh, Patriots and get into some other sports topics from um, around sports. So um, obviously Patriots, Vikings, Thanksgiving night, uh, Patriots defense really struggled in this game. Uh, Kirk Cousins was pretty much able to do whatever he wanted. Justin Jefferson, um, he had nine receptions, 100 139 yards and a touchdown, Um, you know, and pretty much, I think, look, I wasn't surprised that the Patriots struggled defensively. I mean, I think anytime you're playing against a team that has that many weapons on offense, you know, of course, you're going to have a hard time. And it's just, I think that you look at that Jets game, right? You look at the defense that gave up 93 yards or whatever it was, that's never going to happen again you know, it's just, there's no way that an offense is going to be as inept as the Jets. And so I think for people to expect that their defense was going to be, you know, elite against Minnesota, I think that, you know, you may be dreaming because, you know, not only are the Vikings way more talented than the New York Jets, but you also are playing them on four days rest. So it's like, okay, it kind of makes sense that you would have a little bit of a slip. And look, the defense did not play well, really, at all in this game. You know, did have the interception, but they couldn't really create much of a pass rush. And, you know, as such, the secondary struggled because, you know, when you have a defensive line that can't get to the quarterback in a certain game, you know, there's going to be a lot more time for that quarterback to throw. So, yeah, the defense struggled, but I don't think that it should have come as a major surprise necessarily. I mean, it didn't really come as a surprise to me necessarily that, you know, the Vikings were able to do pretty much what they wanted through the air with Jefferson Thielen, um, and TJ Hawkins and all three of them, all three of them caught a touchdown Patriots did do a good job of containing Dalvin cook. You know, that was kind of the one part of the defense that they did do a good job. You know, they've kind of been a good run defense, for most of the year uh, cook at 22 carries for 42 yards so you know those are pretty good statistics there for the run defense but look i think as poorly as the defense may have played that was not why they lost this game and i think that anyone who is watching that game thursday night all the way through knows that the reason why they lost that game was special teams and kind of undisciplined penalties um you know sure could the defense have done a little bit better absolutely but I think as poorly as they played you know they kind of did as much as you as you could expect and I do think that the offense was good as well you know I know that yes they had some issues in the red zone there were some plays that kind of went backwards and you know I think oftentimes plays like that come down to execution and it's less about the specific play that gets called and I think that look if you call a play and it's executed properly, no one's going to complain, you know, like I think oftentimes people look at a play and it goes negative or it goes bad and people automatically assume, oh, it's a bad play call. Well, not necessarily. If a play is executed properly, then it's like, okay, the play call doesn't matter if it's executed the way that it's supposed to be executed. And so, yeah, did the Patriots stall in the red zone a few times? Absolutely. And I think that could have been part of the reason why they lost this game. But I don't think that, you know, that was that much of an issue. I mean, sure, they could have scored touchdowns on a couple of trips to the red zone, but I think Mac Jones was excellent in this game. 382 yards and two touchdowns, you know, you can't really complain with the game that he had. And I think you're starting to see the, you know, small incremental improvements, but I think you saw some great improvements Thursday night where it's like, okay, this is exactly what the passing attack on the offense should look like. Throwing the ball all over the field, getting other guys involved. Patriots had every receiver in this game that caught a pass, caught at least three passes. So it just was like, Mac was throwing the ball around, felt comfortable, got different guys involved, and that's exactly the way you want your offense to look. Um, and I think, Sure, stalling in the red zone, you know, is difficult and it's frustrating because it seems like that's kind of been an issue for most of the season where the Patriots can move the ball back and forth, excuse me, move the ball up and down the field, but they have problems in the red area. So, you know, you hope that that improves, but I do think that you saw some good things from Mac Jones. And to be honest, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, I think looking at Minnesota's defense, You know you could take advantage of that defense and kind of let a kind of game against a bad defense kind of build you up from a confidence standpoint and so going into this game against the bills that you know the bills are a little bit short-handed you know von miller went out on thanksgiving i think he's out for a few weeks you know that buffalo pass defense is not necessarily i think as good as it was a year ago so I think that hopefully Mac Jones and the offense can build off that. Um, I think really looking at this game and looking at the the reason that you lost this game was special teams um, and penalties especially. I think two particularly, you know, damaging plays, clearly the kickoff return touchdown, which Kyle Duggar was pretty clearly held. you know. But at the end of the day, you can't give up a kick or turn touchdown. That's just, just, you know, I think basic stuff that if you're playing a game that you kind of need to have, you can't be making mistakes like that. And, you know, I think it just can't happen. You can't have a kick or turn touchdown. You can't have someone running into the punter on fourth down, you know, that kept a touchdown drive alive, you know. The Patriots essentially gifted Minnesota 14 points. If you think about the kick return touchdown, you think about running into the punter, gives Minnesota a first down. They go down the field, they score the go-ahead touchdown. So, you know, this is a frustrating game because they felt, while the offense did have some issues in the red zone, they still did well enough to win. And I think the defense, as much as they struggled, they kind of did well enough to win as well. You know, as much as Minnesota had a lot of yardage, had a lot of touchdowns, you know, if the Patriots don't beat themselves and give up a kick return touchdown, you know, run into the kicker on fourth down, they probably win that game. You know, so I think whatever it is needs to be cleaned up. And I think there've been too many penalties this season. And, you know, I think being undisciplined is not something that we're used to when you look at this team. Um, So I think you got to hope that maybe this was just a short week thing. And, you know, a lot of mistakes can happen on done short weeks. You know, sloppy play is pretty, is pretty common around the NFL when teams have to play, you know, twice in four days um, I still don't like the Thursday night football. I still think that for that reason, there's a lot of sloppy play on Thursday nights. I don't think they should do Thursday night football. But then again, that's just me. You know, I think my feeling about Thursday night football is you do it week one, you do it on Thanksgiving, and that's it. But, you know, I think that, look, I don't want to built in build in an excuse for this team because, you know, that type of you know, special teams performance is unacceptable. You know, that can't fly on any NFL team. So, you know, it is frustrating because I think Mac Jones played one of his best games as a Patriot. I think clearly his best game this season. Um, So, you know, I think that hope, you hope that the offense can continue to roll and continue to put points on the board, which they were able to do Thursday night. It was you know, refreshing to see Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, get some long touchdowns. Um, you know, Devontae Parker made some good plays. You know, it's just good to see that they can throw the ball, get plays down the field. Um, and I think be able to kind of show what this offense can do when it, you know, executes the way that it is supposed to execute. And it is kind of wild. You know, I think I completely forgot in that game that, Isaiah Wynn, David Andrews were out, and the Patriots, with a makeshift offensive line, Mac Jones threw for almost almost 400 yards. So, you know, you hope that you can continue to get that production from Mac. He can get the ball out quickly, make the right decisions, Um, and I think he's playing a lot more, I don't want to say safer, because that's not necessarily what the word I'm looking for, but I think he's being smarter with the football, and not you know, throwing it into traffic, not, you know, throwing up 50-50 balls. Um, because I think where the offense is at its best, when you're throwing quick, quick passes, you're getting the ball out quickly, get it to your plate makers, and they can make a play. So I'm looking forward to more of that Thursday night when they bring in the Bills. You know, the Bills team, obviously, we know what they can do from an offensive standpoint. Um, you know, Josh Allen, even with the elbow issue that he's had for a few weeks, I think, still is a threat running the football. And I think that is the one area that I'm most concerned about with Buffalo, is Josh Allen's ability to, you know, run with the football and, you know, improvise. Because I think the Patriots, in the last couple of years, they've had issues with quarterbacks that can do things like that. And so I think It's just as simple as guys need to tackle well. Um, I think that's the biggest thing in this game. And, you know, you hope that the defensive line can get back to being a dominant group. Because I think if they can do that, I think that they absolutely absolutely could win this game. And I think if the offense plays like it did Thursday night in Minnesota, I think they have a very good chance to win. You know, this is not a Buffalo team that I think looks all that unbeatable. You know, Josh Allen, as good as he's been this season, he's had some issues with turnovers, and he's not 100% healthy. You know, Vaughn Miller is going to be out for weeks. This is a Buffalo team that is not exactly at full strength right now. And so I think, you know, this is a home game for the Patriots. This is a huge opportunity to try to, you know, get back into the— and get back into— the division get back into the playoff chase and see what they can do but you know this is a it's a buffalo team that you know is very good i think if they've had your number for a decent period of time i mean i know the patriots did beat them uh, last year in buffalo um, but i think this is a team that i think is a lot more talented and i think is going to be a team that you know is going to give you issues on the offensive side that you know considering the things that josh allen can do the you know talented and you know slippery receivers they have with isaiah mckenzie um and stefan diggs obviously we know what he can do um dawson knox is a good tight end as well so you know this is a team that I think if the Patriots can force into mistakes, they have a good chance to win. But I think that defensively, they have to be aware of Josh Allen on the field, especially after play breaks down, because he's one of the best in the league at improvising. So, you know, coming up with big plays on defense, you know, limiting turnovers on offense, making sure that Mac Jones has time to throw, he can make the right decisions. Um, And I think, hope that the running game can be a little bit more consistent um, than it was, than than it has been the last couple of weeks. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but again, I don't think that this is a game where Buffalo is going to blow out the Patriots. I think the Patriots have a chance to win, but they have to play their best game of the season. Um, you know, I think just some other Patriot stuff, you know, David Andrews clearly missed Thursday night's game. I think there is a belief that the injury he suffered against the Jets may not be as serious as they think. So, you know, maybe there's a possibility he could return Thursday night. Uh, Damian Harris is has been ruled out for Thursday, night, Thursday night's game, so the Patriots will be pretty much down to, you know, three running backs, maybe four, with J.J. Taylor uh, back on the practice squad. So it'll be up to Stevenson, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris. You know, kind of be interesting to see if, you know, one of those other three guys gets any touches or um, if they're activated for this game. So Jacoby Myers also left Thursday night's game with like an arm injury. He did return later, but didn't totally look himself. So, you know, I think he's someone to watch to see if he can be um, available to play Thursday night, you would hope. But I do think that not that an injury is ever a good thing, especially with the Patriots wide receivers, but I do think that Myers' injury kind of forced Mac Jones to throw the ball to other guys and look to other guys and, you know, get Devonte Parker involved, get Nelson Aguilar involved, get Kendrick Bourne involved. You know, I think it gave him the opportunity to say, okay, my most reliable receiver is not available, you know, I still have to trust these other guys, so... You know, I hope Myers plays, obviously, but, you know, I think that it's important that Mac develops a rapport, rapport with the other guys. Um, I think just one last little thing about the uh, Patriots-Vikings game before we move on. You know, clearly, you look at the Hunter-Henry play that I think very clearly should have been a touchdown, and, you know, the NFL cites a rule that doesn't exist, you know, is just I don't know. It's just classic. It's just classic NFL pretty much for me. And, you know, look, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, they should have had that touchdown. You know, they should have won the game. But it's like they did miss a pretty clear call that, you know, this surviving the ground thing is exactly what doesn't exist anymore in the rule book. So, you know, I don't really know what went what went wrong there. You know, I think it's Pretty much the the rule got changed because of the Jesse James play that you may recall against the Patriots uh, a couple years ago that a pass was ruled incomplete after he kind of pretty clearly crossed the goal line um, and kind of, I guess, lost control of the ball, whatever you want to say. But I think it was pretty clear that Hunter Henry didn't really lose control of the ball, that he had the ball, had his hand under the ball, as you can see on many replays, but you know, whatever, I don't think it really makes sense to sit here and, you know, moan about that play that, oh, they should have won, you know, as Bill Belichick said, you know, you let the referees figure that out, that, you know, I think that the Patriots' job is to go out and control what they can control, and unfortunately, you know, that play didn't go their way, but it's like there were other plays that, you know, were bigger in the game that you should have been able to, you know... You should have been able to get a tackle on that kickoff return touchdown. You should have been able to not run into the kicker on fourth down on a punt. So, you know, I think that the, whatever, that game's going to be what it's going to be. But I think you have to have a short memory because the Bills are coming in here. Um, and as much as they may not be at full strength, there's still a team that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So, you know, this is kind of a fairly important game for the Patriots within the division. One last thing I will say, the Bills are 0-2 in the division. So, you know, this is not a slam dunk, foregone conclusion game. You know, I do happen to think that the Bills are gonna win, but this is not a Patriots team that I think is going to, you know, lie down. And I think that you think that they should be motivated after that, you know, prime time loss to the Bears a couple of weeks ago. That, you know, hopefully they come out in this game and say, okay, you know, we're going to be focused. We're going to do what it takes to win. So it's going to be a good game, regardless of what happens. It's going to be a very good game. So you hope the Patriots can make a big play on defense, you know, keep the turnovers to nothing on offense. And, you know, you get some improved red zone play. Um, So I think that's going to be it for the Patriots. We'll move on, talk a little bit, bit about the Bruins, who just continue to um, impress. You know, I think that really you're kind of running out of adjectives to uh, describe how good this team has been. And I think just the way that they've been able to be so consistent and, you know, be kind of a team that really enjoys playing and really enjoys kind of going out there and Doing things as a team, you know, is a lot of chemistry things is what Sean and I talked about last week, Um, that this is a team that genuinely loves playing and loves playing for each other. And I think that that's been evident in some of the games recently. You know, the Bruins coming back from a two goal deficit to beat the Hurricanes on Black Friday, probably uh, one of the most entertaining games of the season so far. Bruins falling behind on two power play goals. And then the Bruins, you know, getting some goals to tie the game. And then David Pasternak winning it in overtime. So, you know, that was, I think, the first game so far this season that the Bruins kind of were behind. And you kind of really didn't know what to expect. You know, how is this team going to respond to being in the two-goal hole? Um, and I know that, yes, there was that game in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago that, you know, they were down 5-2 to two in the third period. But... I don't know. To me, that was a game that I was confident that they were going to come back. I know that that sounds easy to say now, but, you know, Pittsburgh is a team that they give up a lot of high-quality chances, and I was pretty confident that the Bruins were going to be able to, you know, get back in the game. But I think the Carolina game felt a little bit different because, again, this is the team that knocked the Bruins out of the playoffs Uh, last spring and they're a team that plays hard you know they're just a tough team to play against Um, and so I think the Bruins definitely deserve some credit for fighting back in that game um, and being able to get the uh being able to get the victory you know and being able to get a goal late in the second period and then you know tie the game Um, and I think it just shows that this is a team that is never out of a game, you know? If you even look at two of the games that they've lost, um, they were, you know, fighting pretty, pretty hard. You know, I think if you even think far enough back to that Ottawa game, the Bruins erased a three goal deficit in that game and almost erased a second. In Toronto, I think the Bruins had way more of the better opportunities against the Leafs and still lost. You know, obviously that Florida loss last week is probably probably the worst game that they've played this season. But it's also like the Bruins were on the power penalty kill seven times in that game. You know, Carolina scored three power play goals, and the Bruins were killing penalties the whole night. So I just think that their ability to be able to not be out of a game, you know, that they can feel confident coming back against teams— um, You know, and another thing that that was was also evident in last Monday's game against Tampa Bay, Bruins fall behind early and then use that second period barrage to get back in the game and win. They had to hang on in the third period. Things got a little bit interesting, um, but they were able to get the win. So they just keep winning, you know, and they keep finding ways to win. And I think that that is the most important thing for me early on. And look. 18-3, eighteen and three, well beyond our wildest expectations. But I think you're winning games in different ways. You're winning low scoring games. You're winning high scoring games. You're winning games in which your, you know, top players get get shut out. You're winning games in which, you know, a goaltender is standing on his head. Or, you know, you win games in overtime or a shootout. There are just a multitude of different ways that they're winning games and they're getting production from everyone in the lineup so you know I think that you look at this team and you think you know yeah they'll level off at some point but I don't really know if they're going to level off all that much you know if they're going to play like this if they're going to get you know goal scoring or point scoring consistently from David Pasternak you know playing at an MVP type level you know, David Krejci is scoring goals, you know, which is kind of crazy. Never really been much of a goal scorer, but he's scoring goals pretty consistently. I think he has five or six goals in his last three or four games. So, you know, he's a guy that's putting up points. I think that it took took him a little bit to get back into the swing of things. You know, did have an injury as well. So it seems like he's kind of catching his groove. And I think that You know, Pavel Zaka is playing great hockey, too. Um, And I think that he's showing you that he absolutely deserves a next contract in Boston and, you know, could really be that kind of next guy that can slide into that center position when, you know, Bergeron and Krejci decide to call it quits. You know, he's a guy that has 14 points in 21 games. You know, that's more points than Taylor Hall. You know, and it's not to say that Taylor Hall is playing badly, You know, I just think that his production doesn't necessarily, you know, show on the score sheet. Or, well, yeah, his production literally doesn't show on the score sheet. That's not not what I meant. But I think it, the production isn't necessarily there, but he's playing well. I think that's what I was trying to say, that, you know, he's playing well. He's not necessarily getting points every game, but he's engaged. You know, he had, I think, a, I think he had a team high seven shots on goal in that uh black friday game so i think you know as long as you're playing good hockey and you're doing the little things correctly you know you're getting back on defense you're back checking you're you know trying to get other guys involved you're throwing pucks on goal that's really all that matters and i think that the Bruins can have someone like taylor hall who doesn't need to He's scoring goals every single game. He doesn't need to be putting up points every single game. But as long as he's engaged and playing the way that you want him to, that's all, that's all, you know, that's all that matters. So it's also been good to see Charlie McAvoy back and, you know, reasserting himself um, into the lineup with a couple of big hits. There was uh, a massive hit that he laid on, I think it was Svechnikov in that, uh, Carolina game Um, but I think he's back and fully back and you know I think feeling totally comfortable with the shoulder surgery and you know I think um, he's a guy that I think I kind of didn't know what to expect when he came back from surgery but the way that he's playing you would never know that he had surgery so it's just excellent that he can come back into the lineup be a seamless transition and the same thing for Marshan and Grizzlick, and I know that that was a while ago, but, you know, they fit back into the team perfectly. So, really impressed with, you know, Krejci, McAvoy, Zaka in particular. Um, but I think there just there's so many other guys that play at a consistent level every single night. They don't have to get points every single night, but as long as they're doing what it is that's expected of them, then that's really all you can ask for. So... You know, I think that it's an interesting time for the Bruins because Derek Forbert is close to returning. And I think that the Bruins did put Anton Strawman on waivers yesterday. So they have to do some salary cap maneuvering, which I kind of don't begin to even understand. But all I know is it'll be good to have Derek Forbert back because I think the penalty killing has been a little bit... Not as good not not as good as it was when he was healthy. And so I think getting him back will be important. You know, I think the Bruins were top five in the league in penalty killing when Forbert was in the lineup and they've kind of fallen back to like middle of the pack since he's been out. So you gotta hope that he can come back and, you know, stabilize things. The Bruins are still winning games, you know, even with these issues, so You know, that's been good to see. Good to see that certain guys are stepping up. And, you know, as much as the penalty killing has not been as good since Forbert's been out, the Bruins did have to kill some extra penalties against Carolina. And they were able to, you know, keep them at bay and keep the game from getting out of hand. So, you know, they were able to keep themselves alive in that game. But it'll be good to see uh, Forbert back. You know, Trent Frederick, I think had left the game against Tampa Bay with an injury. Craig Smith had come in and played the next two. And then I believe Craig Smith um, got injured. And I can't remember if it's an upper body or lower body, but I think Trent Frederick is expected uh, to be back in the lineup, possibly as soon as tonight. So obviously the little injury to him hasn't kept him out too much longer. So you hope you can see him tonight against Tampa. Linus Ulmark was hurt in the Carolina game as uh, there was like a net mouth scramble. Connor Clift had landed on top of him. Um, But it seems like Ulmark's fine. You know, I think he was at practice yesterday, and I think they expect him to be available tonight, whether that's a backup or um, in goal. So hopefully it was just a little bit of a stinger, but it was kind of a scary look as he was, you know, down on the ice for a few minutes on Friday's, during Friday's game. So good to have him back. You know, it was when I was writing up the, uh, you know, things that I was going to talk about this week on the podcast, I had written that, okay, the injuries to some of these guys may open up opportunities for guys in Providence, but clearly, you know, Frederick and Olmark are, you know, going to be okay and are going to be available to play. So may not open up opportunities, but uh, I am kind of curious to see, you know, as I talked about Forbert and you know, the cap, uh, the salary cap gymnastics that the Bruins have to do to, you know, get compliant. It'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, I don't know if it's a Mike Riley going out the door. And I do believe that even if Anton Strahlman is claimed off of waivers, the Bruins still need to, um, like, get rid of, like, $500,000 um, off their books. So I'm not really sure how they're going to do that. You know, Mike Riley's been in Providence, and I think He's been playing, which is, I think, good to see. You know, I think Sean and I talked about this last week, that, you know, he's a guy that is willing to go down and play in Providence. But, you know, I don't think that's going to be a long-term thing. I do think that the Bruins will try to look to trade him. But it's like, I feel like the Bruins probably have. You know, and they've put him on waivers twice, and no one's claimed him. So, I don't know, it's it's kind of a weird situation, but... They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to move someone. You know, they're not gonna be able to keep all these guys. You know, on the team, and even if Strawman gets gets uh, claimed, the Bruins will still have to figure something out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but I think it'd be good to get Derek Forbert back in the lineup. Uh, he was practicing the other day with Connor Clifton, so you got to think that maybe he's very close to returning. If it's not tonight. Then maybe it's Saturday against Colorado, um, but it should be a good matchup for the Bruins tonight against Tampa. As a team that you know clearly gone to the finals three times, uh, this is a team that the Bruins just faced in Tampa with a five three win last week. So you can bet Tampa Bay is going to be motivated. They just came off a overtime win in Buffalo last night, so they'll be playing a second of a back to back, but. You know, good measuring stick for the Bruins um, tonight against the Lightning and then Saturday against Colorado. So that's going to be really interesting. You know, I think I'm glad that the Bruins are getting some days off. You know, two day, two games in a week, you know, it's pretty good. I think you'll take that. Um, so it's just good that, you know, some of these guys that have had injuries, can't have time to heal. The Bruins can get some rest after, you know, playing a lot of games recently. You know, they played a game, they had a weak stretch, or they played a game every other day. So good for them to get some rest. Um, But you're going to have some motivated teams coming in, Tampa Bay and Colorado. Both of those games are going to be really fun to watch. So hopefully the Bruins on their best foot. Unclear whether uh, Jerry Swayman or Olmark will get the start. Uh, tonight for the Bruins. Uh, so that's what the Bruins have this week, Tuesday night, tonight against Tampa, and then Saturday night against Colorado. So I think we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the Boston Celtics, the other uh, tenant of TD Garden, who have uh, just continued to play pretty You know, ridiculously impressive basketball Um, over the last couple of games. They had their nine-game winning streak snapped in Chicago uh, last Monday, but the Celtics have reeled off four straight wins, uh, a couple wins against Dallas and Sacramento, a surprising Sacramento team that's actually been pretty good out of the gate. Um, And then the Celtics just ridiculously impressive offensively. In the last two nights, 140 points last night, 130 points the night before. You know, just a team that is operating at such a high efficiency on offense, and it's really been fun to watch because you have had the last two nights key guys that were out. Jason Tatum didn't play Sunday night against Washington, um, and then Jalen Brown didn't play last night. Al Horford actually didn't play last night either so blake griffin started uh, the game last night was just uh it was a sight to behold it really was uh, the celtics i think played probably i think easily their best offensive game of the season um, with 140 points scored 40 points in two quarters shot 59 percent from the game 40 yeah 59 percent for the game 46 percent from three-point range it was just a uh Offensive showcase. Marcus Smart probably had his best game as a Celtic, in my opinion. 22 points, 15 assists, couple steals. Um, He just did everything in this game. Six made threes. Jason Tatum had four made threes. Sam Hauser, Malcolm Brogdon, three threes off the bench. Peyton Pritchard made a couple. Um, It just is great to see this team playing so well as everyone really kind of understands what their role is. And they do their and, and they perform their role to such a such a high level. You know, I think that again, I'll probably continue to say this all year. But the efficiency for Jason Tatum's game is just great to see. Um, you know, I think fifteen for twenty eight. You know, there's a lot of shots, but I think he can usually be you know, very economical with his shots and. You know, can sometimes take too many threes, but I think just is so efficient, so many different ways that he can score, so many different ways that he can beat you. And I think, you know, we've seen some games this year where he struggles to score, but he's been able to get other guys involved. And I think you're truly seeing a player that is absolutely a top five player in the NBA, whether or not he's an MVP, you know, that's up for debate. I don't really want to talk about that right now. You know, it's just excellent to see the efficiency from him, excellent to see the efficiency from Jalen Brown. You know, I think that he has really just continued to improve upon his game and, you know, continue to be that slashing driver, a guy that can finish plays really, really effectively and a guy that is just money from mid from the mid-range. So, you know, you're seeing guys just playing at such a high level, guys are so comfortable. Guys are just fitting in great to their roles, You know, Derek White is just fitting in seamlessly. You know, it's almost, it's crazy to think that he just was such a seamless fit immediately when he came from the Spurs. You know, 15 points, six assists last night, three made threes. You know, he's becoming a knockdown three-point shooter, which is excellent to see. You know, he's a guy that I think came in. You were a little bit concerned about his three-point shooting as he's never been a great shooter, but... He's shooting 45% from three this year. So, you know, tells you all you need to know about how dominant this team has been from an offensive standpoint. I think that defensively, some nights, there's a little bit to be desired. Um, But I think that they're hustling and making plays. You know, nothing was more evident than Jason Tatum blocking uh, Luka Doncic on a drive uh, last week against Dallas, who's in the fourth quarter Tatum, you know, is on him the whole time, blocks his layup, you know, I think you're just seeing a guy that just loves to play, and the Celtics pretty much had to hold him out of, you know, Sunday's game um, with, you know, that ankle injury that he's nursing, but, you know, it's hard to keep him out of games, but I do think the Celtics do need to do a better job of just giving him some nights off, giving Al Horford nights off, they've been doing that for most of the season, so you know, I think that anytime guys sit, there are guys on the bench that can, you know, come in and do an excellent job to fill in. You know, Blake Griffin has been a guy that's, you know, barely played for the first couple of weeks, first couple of months of the season. Um, and he came in last night and did exactly what you want him to do, making hustle plays, making hustle plays, getting key offensive rebounds, taking charges throwing down dunks you know geez he was turning back the clock last night with the way that he was you know throwing down some dunks but you know i think just having a guy on that t- having a guy in the team that is a veteran has been around has seen everything in the nba i think is i think is a guy that doesn't really matter if he plays and i don't honestly think he minds you know i do think that yes you want to play him a little bit more so He's not completely cold, but geez, I mean, you throw him in last night and he's a guy that that can start if Al Horford can't go. You know, played 22 minutes last night and I think gives you everything in a backup big or a backup big, you know, vet minimum guy. Gives you everything that, that you would want from a player like that. So he's been fun to watch when he's been on the floor. You know, Peyton Pritchard has also been... Fun to watch as well. You know, he's a guy that, again, hasn't really played a lot of minutes. But I think when he comes in, he's hungry and he's willing to get involved. And I think, you know, this is just a team. And I've barely even mentioned Sam Hauser and Luke Cornett, you know, who are developing nicely into their roles. You know, Sam is becoming a guy that's a catch-and-shoot knockdown shooter. But he can also, you know, guard fairly well. You know, he's a guy that does have a little bit of offensive ability other than just a catch-and-shoot three-point guy. You know, he can stay with guys. He can guard guys. And, you know, Luke Cornett is, I think that honestly he is a player that has most surprised me this season. You know, his defensive ability, you know, his ability to, you know, finish off plays, you know, play hard. You know, you could see, you know, had to, had a sequence last night where, you know, had a tip dunk, had an alley-oop, you know, had a great, you know, drove to the basket on a great feed from Marcus Smart, you know, doing everything that you want from like a backup center. Um, And I think that it gives you confidence that, yeah, Rob Williams will come back and probably will play a lot of minutes, but you can feel confident that you have guys like Cornette, guys like Blake Griffin to come in off the bench to spell him. So, you know, I think... And I was thinking about this the other night. This probably is the deepest Celtics team that I can remember since the championship team in 2008. You know, you have obviously your top players and they're your best players, but you have role players that, you know, I see some of the I see some of those 08 role players in guys on the team right now. You know, I see Peyton Pritchard. You see a little bit of Eddie House in him the way that he can knock down threes and play with high energy you know, you see someone like Blake Griffin, who's selling out, making hustle plays. And you see someone like PJ Brown, who is a really, you know, little used reserve on that 08 team, but also came, but always came up with, you know, the hustle plays, knocking down shots when they needed it, coming up with a big rebound when they needed it. So I don't want to say that this team's going to win the championship or anything like that, but they look really, really deep and really, really good right now. And you know, Malcolm Brogdon's another guy who's played unbelievable. Has given the Celtics exactly what they need. You know, it's a guy that gives you exactly what you need off the bench. And I think, you know, everyone knows their role and they perform their role really, really well. And I think it's given you confidence that they can go against the best teams in the NBA and, you know, not be overmatched. The upcoming schedule does look very interesting for the Celtics team is, you know, they go on the road, play some West Coast teams. Um, but it's just as great to see them playing at such a high level offensively, being efficient, you know, playing the offensive basketball that I think just fits into everyone's game. And I think that, you know, offensively, there were always some, I don't want to say concerns coming into the season, but you know, just wondering, okay, how are they going to play offensively with a new coach? You know, are they going to be able to play with pace? Are they going to be able to keep that up? And I think the answer is is a, is a resounding yes, 21 games in that you're, you know, about a quarter of the way through the season. And I don't think there's an NBA team that's even close to the Celtics um, in terms of how well they're playing. I mean, you do have Milwaukee, who is probably the one team that I'm most concerned about in terms of giving the Celtics a run for their money. But, you know, this is a team that's playing at such a high level. And, you know, they're really not a team that you should count out. Um, But I think it will be interesting these next couple of weeks as the Celtics play some really good teams. You know, play Miami twice this week. They play them tomorrow and Friday, both games at the Garden. And then the Celtics go on the road for six in a row against Brooklyn, Toronto, Phoenix, Golden State, the Clippers and the Lakers. So it's a pretty big opportunity to, you know, see what they're truly made of. It's not like the Celtics have played, you know, bad teams the whole time, but I think playing good teams and playing good teams in a row, you know, is really gonna tell you where they're at. But, you know, seventeen and four, I can't really complain very much, you know, with with how well they're doing with Halmel with how well they're doing, with how well the uh, Bruins are doing. Both TD Garden teams doing um, excellent to start the season. So it's an exciting time to be a Bruins fan, exciting time to be a Celtics fan. Celtics, again, play the Heat twice this week, and then we'll play a Sunday evening game in Brooklyn. So some tough games some challenging games I think coming up and then you know anytime you have to go on the west coast it's a tough challenge you know even if the teams that you're playing don't necessarily have great record, so it'll be fun it'll be interesting so I think I think that will do it for I think that will do it for the Celtics you know no Red Sox news really at all on the free agency front Um, I did think that they had signed a relief pitcher from the Mets. His name is escaping me right now. Um, But I don't think that there's been anything major in baseball free agency. You know, the Astros signed uh, Jose Brave yesterday, which, you know, geez, the rich get richer there. So, Uh, but we'll certainly keep you updated throughout the off season, you know, probably once the big names start to fall or start to come off the board, we'll probably get Eric Bellier in for a off-season update, but we'll let you guys know when that happens. So I think kind of give you some notes from around uh, the sports world. I think we're going to start giving you guys an update on the World Cup in Qatar. Um, there are two games that actually are playing right now as we speak. Uh, Group A is finishing. Uh, Senegal has a one nothing lead over... Um, Ecuador and the Netherlands leading Qatar one nothing. So if we take a look at the World Cup and take a look at uh, the tables, as they say, or the, you know, group standings, each team has played, every team has played two games. So we are now in the, you know, final group stage game. So I think Qatar has already been eliminated as they... Did not win either of their first two games. I think Canada was also eliminated as they did not win either of their first two games. I think Portugal, Brazil, and, Portugal, Brazil and France are um, already in to the round of 16 based on their early... Or based on wins in their first two games. Team USA goes up against Iran this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Big game is Team USA. It's just... As simple as it can get, win and you're into the knockout stage. Um, so Team USA obviously is drawn their first two games. First against Wales last week, a 1-1 draw. Pretty disappointing result, I think, if you consider that Team USA was able to get off on the right foot. Tim Weah getting the goal in the first half. And then the defense kind of just was on their heels in the second half. Walker Zimmerman. With a bad foul in the box, Gareth Bale scores the the penalty kick, ties the game. So, you know, Team USA definitely left points on the table in that game. Then on Black Friday, scoreless draw against England, I think that, you know, Team USA should have come out of that game feeling pretty good about themselves, you know, considering how talented England is and the players that they have. Team USA did have some great chances in that game, but ultimately no one scored. Matt Turner was really excellent in that game, so it gives team USA an opportunity to advance to uh, the group stage if they beat Iran and this is an Iran team that you know got crushed by England but then they surprised Wales with a 2-0 win um on Black Friday so you know you kind of don't know what to expect from them but i think you know it's it comes down to this for team USA and i think you know we all want them to do well and want them to advance but you know, this is a young, inexperienced group, and I think, you know, um, I think it's it's going to be what it's going to be, and I think, you know, it's a huge opportunity for them to, you know, show that they can win a game when, you know, their backs are against the wall. You know, I think that really this is the first time that this group has had to, you know, really desperately win a game to advance. That it's like, you know, I think in World Cup qualifying. There were games that they got draws and they kind of maybe didn't finish qualifying as strongly as you would have liked. But I think it's like, okay, this is a game where it's like do or die. You have to win. You have to win. Uh, So, you know, I think clearly if they don't win, it'll probably be disappointing. And, you know, I think that this was a team looking at this group that they should have been able to advance, but hey, you never know. You don't know what's going to happen. I think that's, The beauty of this World Cup is there have been a couple teams that have been sure favorites that have lost, so you know it'll be interesting to watch. So, uh, USA and Iran at two o'clock, Wales and England at two o'clock. I think that all four teams are could, or all four teams are alive. That in theory, any of the two teams could advance to the knockout stage. So, we will see. uh, Taking a look at some. Uh, scores from the NFL this week in Week 12. We're going to take a look at the standings as well. Uh, obviously, the games on Thanksgiving were actually kind of pretty interesting. You yeah, the Bills beating the Lions at Ford Field, 28-25. Uh, Tyler Bass with the game-winning field goal. Bills win. Improved to eight and three. Lions fall to four and seven. Um, you know this was a game that. You know, you hope the Patriots can maybe take a page out of um, Detroit's book that I thought the Lions played pretty well in this game. They were able to, you know, come up with big plays, you know, ultimately couldn't get the win. But I think, you know, this is a Buffalo team that people thought at the beginning of the year that they're they're invincible. I think it's very clear that they're not. So I think at this point, the Patriots might be getting them at a good time, so... You know, it'll be interesting to see how they do Thursday night. And then the Cowboys beating the Giants 28-20. to uh, CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dak Prescott were uh, impressive in this game. Cowboys improve to 8-3 in the win. Giants fall to 7-4. Um, on Sunday, there were some interesting games. The Browns beat the Buccaneers in overtime. As uh, Nick Chubb ran in for the game-winning touchdown overtime, Buccaneers fall to five and six. Browns are four and seven after the win. The Bengals outlasting the Titans twenty to sixteen in Tennessee is a pretty big win for the Bengals as they got back into playoff positioning. Uh, the Dolphins took care of the Texans pretty easily, thirty to fifteen. The Dolphins are uh, tied for first in the AFC East. The Jets coming back. After the disappointing loss to the Patriots, Mike White replacing Zach Wilson in this game, or replaced him for this game, I should say, um, and threw three touchdowns, and the Jets win 31-10 to 10 over the Bears. The Commanders with a late game interception as they beat the Falcons. And I believe the Commanders have won four or five in a row, so they improved to seven and five with the win. Falcons fall to five and seven as a pretty big opportunity for the Falcons to um, get back into the division as the Buccaneers had lost, but unable to come up with a game-winning touchdown. The Panthers shocked the Broncos, 23 to 10, and things just keep getting worse for Denver as they fall to three and eight with the loss. Sam Darnold got the start, scored a uh, through threw a touchdown pass, and then recovered his own fumble in the end zone later in the game. So the Panthers win 23-10. The Jags uh, shock the Ravens 28-27. Trevor Lawrence driving the team down the field for the score, and then they went for two and got it. Uh, so pretty ballsy win for the Jags as they improved to 4-7. and seven. That's another pretty disappointing loss for the Ravens, who have proven uh, time and time again this season that they can't hold on to late leads. You know, Justin Tucker attempted it a record sixty seven yard field goal at the end of regulation, missed short, but I just this is a Ravens team that just I don't really believe in. Because I just think you can't you can't keep letting teams in back into games late in the fourth quarter. They've blown some big fourth quarter leads this season. This obviously was not as big of a blown deficit, but I just I can't really take that team seriously at the moment. So the Jags get a great win. Trevor Lawrence at three touchdowns and 321 yards through the air. Uh, the Chargers went for two late in the game, beat the Cardinals 25 to 24. Justin Herbert with three touchdown passes, and the Chargers get a pretty big win to stay alive in the AFC playoff chase. The Raiders outlasting the Seahawks on the road 40 to, 30, 40 to 34 in overtime. As Josh Jacobs with an 86-yard touchdown in overtime, as the Raiders improved to four and seven, Seahawks fall to six and five. So the Raiders have uh, picked it back up. They've won two games in a row now. Um, the Chiefs beating the Rams fairly easily, 26 to 10. Matthew Stafford hurt was not available in this game, and the Rams fall to three and eight. So things are uh, things are pretty. Things are not looking good in L.A. for the Rams right now. So three, three and eight Chiefs improved to nine and two. The 49ers shut out the Saints thirteen to nothing. So a good win for the 49ers. Their defense played well, and then the Eagles beating the Packers on Sunday night, forty to thirty three. Kind of a sloppy game, on both sides, but the Eagles able to able to hold on. Jalen Hurts was impressive, hundred and fifty yards passing. And 150 yards rushing as the Eagles improved to 10 and 1. And then last night on Monday Night Football, the Steelers uh, holding off the Colts 24 to 17. Steelers improved to 4 and 7. Colts fall to 4, 7, and 1. So now taking a look at uh, the standings right now. Playoffs are absolutely in full full swing. Things are really interesting here. So the Chiefs lead the AFC. Followed by the Dolphins, the Titans, and the Ravens, and then the Wild Card teams are Buffalo, Cincinnati, and the Jets. Patriots and the Chargers are uh, back or a game back in the playoff chase. So, you know, things are the games are starting to get very important in the AFC. So it'll be interesting to see if the Patriots can, you know, shock the world and beat the Bills, get back into the playoff chase. But it'll be interesting. So. Patriots and Chargers both at 6-5 and five on the outside looking in. In the NFC, the Eagles obviously atop the conference. Minnesota in second, followed by the 49ers and the Buccaneers, who lead the NFC South despite their losing record at 5-6. and six. And then the wildcard teams, Dallas, New York, and Washington. So all four NFC East teams are in the playoff positions, Seattle and Atlanta, just on the outside looking in, in terms of playoff standings. Houston still has a pretty sizable lead in terms of the chase for the number one pick as they still just have one win. And then the Broncos Rams and the Bears are the next, next lowest teams with only three wins. So I think We'll keep going with kind of the standings thing. We'll take a look at uh, the NBA, take a look at some notes. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, I believe, I believe, left the Timberwolves lost last night, but it sounds like he um, has avoided a substantial injury. Um, Joel Embiid returns for the Sixers and scored 30 points. Uh, Pascal Siakam returned for the, for the Raptors, and they beat the Cavaliers. Um, And Kemba Walker is expected to sign with the Dallas Mavericks to help boost their backcourt. He was waived by the Pistons in October. So good for Kemba. Good for him to get an opportunity. I think it's a guy that I've always respected in the NBA and, you know, even dating back to his college days. So hopefully he can get get, uh, an opportunity there. The Pacers beat the Lakers last night on a buzzer-beating three. It was a pretty uh, amazing game there. Um, taking a look at some games on the NBA schedule tonight. Uh, the Knicks and the Pistons play at 7 o'clock. And then a doubleheader on TNT, Golden State against Dallas. And then the Clippers against the Trailblazers. Uh, taking a look at the uh, NHL. The, I uh, actually forgot to mention this, The Bruins actually set an NHL record with their 12th consecutive home win to start the season that set a record that was, um, I think was tied, or the, well, the previous record was 11 games held by the 1964 Blackhawks and the Florida Panthers last year. So Bruins uh, set the record. They can uh, extend the record tonight to 13 games. If they are able to beat the, um, like uh, the Rangers had traded uh, Ryan Reeves to the Minnesota Wild for a draft pick that was, I think, late last week, um, and the New Jersey Devils had their uh, record t- or team record tying thirteen game win streak snapped by the Leafs, uh, but they did win again last night. Or I think I think they've won three in a row since that. You know which is kind of crazy they're kind of the surprise team of the nhl yeah probably the most surprising team in the nhl in terms of their start i think they're 19 and 4 uh, which is i think right up there with the bruins in terms of being the best record in the league oh shoot i just realized i forgot to talk about the nba standings we're going to go back to the nba right now um, take a look at the standings Uh, The Celtics in first place in the East, two-game lead over the Bucks, and then they're followed by the Cavaliers, the Pacers, the Sixers, and the Raptors for the top six in the East, and then in the play-in position, we have Washington, Atlanta, Brooklyn, and Miami. In the Eastern Conference, the Suns lead the West. Celtics will play the Suns next week. Suns lead the West by a game over Denver, and then... The top six, as follows, is New Orleans, Memphis, the Clippers, Portland. um, In the play-in position, Sacramento, Golden State, Utah, and Minnesota. So I think we'll take a look. Yeah, we'll go back to the NHL and take a look at the standings. Uh, Bruins, obviously, atop the Atlantic, although... You have the Toronto Maple Leafs that are just right behind the Bruins, just three points back of first place in the Atlantic, and then Tampa Bay is in third in the Metro. New Jersey leads the Metro by eight points over the second-place Islanders, and then they are followed by the Hurricanes, and then in wild-card spots, the Red Wings and the, and the Penguins. Usually around this time, it's a decent— it gives you kind of a decent picture of playoff teams, um, kind of the quarter pole of the season, if you will, but I don't think that, that those standings are the end-all be-all. I still fully expect the Rangers to be a playoff team. I kind of expect the Panthers to be a playoff team too, but obviously we'll see. And then in the West, the top three in the Central, Dallas, Winnipeg, and Colorado, and then in the Pacific, Vegas, Seattle, and Los Angeles, and then in the wildcard spots, Edmonton and Minnesota. So a lot of games on the NHL schedule tonight. Obviously, the Bruins and the Lightning at 7. Also at 7 o'clock, the Sharks and the Canadians, the Hurricanes and the Penguins. And then at 7.30, the Islanders and the Flyers. And then at 8 o'clock, Anaheim against Nashville, Colorado against Winnipeg, and then some late games for you, 9 o'clock, Florida and Calgary. Obviously, there was the, the big trade in the offseason between those two teams. So they'll play in Calgary at 9 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, Washington and Vancouver. And then at 10.30, Seattle and the LA Kings. So I think that probably probably will do it. Probably going to do it for me this week. Uh, glad that I could uh, be back with you folks today. Um, even though I wasn't with you yesterday, but yeah, I think um, as always, you know, listen to listen to the podcast. Let me know what you think. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think. You know, on the Twitter page, on the Facebook page, or get in touch with me. Get in touch with me any other way. Um, but yeah, everyone have a great rest of your week. Go Team USA, and uh, we will uh, talk to you on Friday.